Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt podcast? It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. Uh, it's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is Tuesday, January 19th. And a girl. All right. Uh, yeah. This is the OKS podcast. We're sounding okay Midwest. already. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a really busy day. My brain's swimming. Uh, hey, this is the OKS Hunter podcast studio. And, uh, you know, we, we make no claims to be better than that. That's for sure. I can roll with that. I would say if you want to check out some OKS gear, some OKS threads, Head on over to OKSHunter.com. You can use code W2H podcast for 10% off. Just uh, I like the Walmart happy face over here. <laughs> Saving money everywhere you go. 10%. We <laughs> uh, are the 10 percenters. That's right. I'll play an ad. I'll do that. Do since, I'm, since I'm crapping the bed over here. <laughs> oh, wait. Here we go. This is the right button. Wake up and smell the coffee. Backwoods grind coffee, that is. Now this ain't your fancy schmancy city boy coffee. This is what your grandpappy used to drink. And lucky enough for you loaf around slack asses, they got a subscription service. Deliver any other six blends right to your door. Even a sampler. I like the fireside blend. Nice and dark. But they got something to suit every one of your tastes, light to dark and everything in between. Backwoods Grind Coffee, for those who work hard and play harder. Okay, and because I'm never going to do it, and Greg, I'm really just doing it these days to bother Greg, but... I'm past it now. I mean, it, it's like it's so the part norm, of the thing. it's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always like lagging behind on stuff because it's just hard to find time to do anything. Uh, but you can go to backwoodsgrind.com. You can use code W2H podcast for 10% off. And you can start with their sampler pack or you know, whatever is going to float your boat. It is good stuff. What floats your boat? Oh, this Corona's pretty good right now, actually. Yeah, nice and smooth, bad. believe it or not. Not bad, a little skunk in your funk. Skunk in your funk. That's right, it is kind of skunky. We got two more to go. Uh, head on over to Fleet Farm. You can go to Fleet Farm Store. Um, window shop and and you can see what you like you can go on your phone and then you can use our code w2h10 for 10 percent off you can also go online and get it shipped right to your house if you don't want to go in 
all that good stuff. But you can buy your tags there. You can buy if they have any ammunition. It's hard, like you said, it, for them to stock. It is literally gone. Like walk through there, and 17 HMR mm-hmm. is about all they've got left. That is it, man. There. I bought a new cat scratching post there the other day. Oh, that's cool. You can scratch your cat with your post now. Well, the one they that had was just sound good. ruined. So they're like, you know, then they find other <laughs> things to scratch, like the carpet. And I hear your joke. Oh, you know? uh, yeah. You filthy animal. You filthy animal. <laughs> but there's no shortage on snacks there. No. No, they're doing a fine job of stacking stacking snacks right where you can find them. Yep. I don't know. What are they? Ice fishing gear right now is hot. Yeah, and that'll be cleaned out real fast. Yeah. I don't know, man. The whole pandemic thing is really putting a damper on everybody's situation. Mm-hmm. And every time I go there, I get tempted to buy something I don't need, like a snowblower. But I have one. But the new ones look so nice. A <laughs> <laughs> 10% will go pretty far. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Go get your, you know, whatever you need to stock up on on the way home. Cat food, dog food, That's you know, cool. snacks, gas. Yeah. Beer. All that good stuff. Beer oh, and yeah. wine, they sell right. both there. That's right. They don't sell spirits, though. I don't... Right? No. Or, no, they don't. It's like a different license or something, I think. Could be. Depends on where you're at, I suppose. Um, check out our friends at Spartan Forge, SpartanForge.ai. If you haven't heard of those guys, you're gonna. Whether it's from us or someone else. Yep. Because they are making moves, and if you don't know who they are, you're missing out. Go um, check them out. Yep. Hunt, hunt predictability so you can determine when a deer is going to be moving and eventually where it's going to be moving or how it's going to be moving. Uh, they're using a lot of machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence, through a data modeling system that they spent the last half a decade building. And it's just seeing the light of day this last year, the end of the year, and it is impressive. So if you want to save 20% off, you can use code W2H at SpartanForge.ai.com. That's wrong. No I threw in the dot com. No dot com. Stupid me. Spot SpartanForge.ai. There we go. There you go. And uh, man, I'll pour out my drop time spirits after this. Corona. They are the. Uh, I don't know. They're the drink of the podcast. The official. What, deer camp in a bottle. Yeah, that's what you're calling it. That's what I'm calling it. I don't know. If they said they're okay with that, so. It's <laughs> fine. Everyone just lets me do what I want over here. It's all good. Even you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Within reason. Take a look at the comments. Hey, guys, by the way, if you're watching on the live, the camera is just going to keep going in and out, so it is what it is. I don't know how to fix it right now. It's been a weird problem. I have to keep unplugging it and plugging it back in, so I don't know. New computer, new problems. You think you solve your problems with a new computer, but you don't. You just get new ones. <laughs> that you don't know how to fix. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, buddy? What's going on in your woods? Uh, deer yarded up like cattle, I can tell you that much. Um, there's still people out there just as crazy as I am going after it. I had a guy walk in on me Saturday, and uh, it was funny because he followed my boot tracks, like, down the entire path, and then followed me in. It's like, really? Uh, it's cool to see other people out there using it because it is public land, and that's the way it goes. But, like, he got 60 yards from me, and, like, I, I could hear him walking through but it, like every time i turn around and look like he must have been hidden behind some tall grass or a couple of trees or something and i never picked him off right away and i'm like it sounds like something is walking towards me <laughs> so then it got a little louder and then finally i turned around and i just sat there and i watched because that's what he was doing he'd take a few steps and stop and mm-hmm. take a few steps and stop and take a few steps and stop 
He didn't have a tree stand on his back. He had a winter coat on, no hat. Was yeah. he wearing green? Was it the guy that lost his arrow last fall? What color was that guy's arrows? Do you know? No. Dude had orange fletchings. I don't know. No, because the guy that I saw, I don't think he had anything else with him other than... Yeah, who knows? Who knows for sure? But he uh, he got within 60 yards, and I whistled at him, and then he went, oh, crap. And then he turned around and you know started working his way back out. Mm-hmm. No sooner he got back out to the main path because I could see him from my vantage point. He got back to the main path and I heard crunching around and in, in that that tall tall stuff out in front, just to the west of me, and turn and look and I just see movement. Pull up the binos and look. Yep, there's one there. And then all of a Is sudden, that the picture you sent me. No, that wasn't that wasn't the first sighting. They were probably about 200 yards out when I first I could actually hear them, and then I saw the one, and then the one came closer to me. Came within probably about 60, 70 yards, as close as I got, and uh, I heard more crunching. And he grunted, so it was a young buck, I think, just a, a little nubber. And uh, how, they, how how's that sound go? Let you do it. Blah. Blah. Terrible. <laughs> you got a hairball? <laughs> give him the old snort wheeze. <clears throat> you give him the old snort wheeze. 60% of the time it works every time. Yeah. But I had, uh, it was basically, it was two does and their fawns. Okay. And they were feeding around in there. And they fed around, around in there quite a, quite a while. Just pawing around and, and digging through the snow and finding finding some green stuff to eat, and then may, eventually made their way south. And then it was time to pack up and go. Hmm. So, so, would you have shot one? Doe and two fawn like that? At this point in the year, I think it's probably okay for a, for a management standpoint. It, where in an area where we have a ton of does, I don't think it would hurt the population. But if you're going to do, if you're one of those that likes to have more deer. In that area, you would be, I don't want to say stupid to shoot one, but it wouldn't be the smartest idea to shoot a doe right now because potentially you're killing three deer for next year. Sure. You know, or four deer. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of them out there have thrown triplets, but there's plenty of them that throw twins. So for a management standpoint, if you want more deer, you wouldn't shoot a doe this time of year, but... If you want less mouths to feed out on that piece of land, which this time of year it's getting a little tough, but we don't have a ton of snow, so they're not having a real awful time finding food. We're just now getting a real good snap of cold. Yeah, like, last night it was cold. Last night Oof. it was cold. The trash can, had, I was like, oh, man, it got cold. We've on. had a few cold days, but not yeah. nothing consistent. Tomorrow's going to be warm, highs in the 30s, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those are going to be the days that would be awesome to be out because those deer, are, I know where they're going now. I just got to make sure I can get in there on the right wind. I didn't really look at the wind forecast. It's basically an observation sit the other day. Well, I did two observation sets. I did one on one part of the property and one on the other, and I know where they're headed and where they're not. Okay. But I still saw nothing with horns, so... But there is a lot of thick cover for bucks to wait in until it's dark. You know, and all the cameras that we have out out in that mm-hmm. direction, all the bucks are coming through between two and, I don't know, 
I think nine nine and two in the nine o'clock at night and two in the morning. So they're way back in there, or they're on another property where maybe the you know the pickings are better. Mm-hmm. They're not looking for does. I mean, most of the bucks that we've seen on the cameras have been groups of bucks. They've been three three deer at, at a crack. Sure, you know they're not really chasing does anymore. They're done. And all the does, all all the the big groups of deer, are mostly antlerless. I've not seen anything with horns. I saw three today. I had to make a trip in to the office, and uh, it was right by Home Depot on ninety four. There was that hill behind the medical children's hospital, or whatever. And so you look close enough. I saw a couple bedded down, and on the way back, they were up on their feet, milling around, looked like a doe, and too fun. Sure. No pressure now. You know, there's very little pressure in, in a lot of those areas where they can just kind of get up and. I mean, if you got cold weather, and I say anything that's 20 degrees or colder, those deer, and I, I think having having a little sunshine too, you know, it could be a, a clear bluebird day but real cold, those deer are going to be up in the middle of the day feeding when they're consuming less calories to stay warm mm-hmm. and working to get those calories while it's sunny out and it's warmer out. And then they'll go back. And bed down and try to keep warm. It'll hunker down until the next day when it does the same thing again. So you don't get a ton of early morning movement and you don't get a ton of evening movement, maybe. So you're thinking more midday. Yeah, midday is usually pretty hot. Hmm. And that's even what I found like Sunday. I got in the stand at one o'clock and no sooner I was up in the stand and I looked out way across the marsh onto that side hill of that field on the private. And there's a bunch of dots out in the field, and they throw the binos up and look, and there's a dozen deer out there. Mm-hmm. Counted them all up. And then they ran from one field to the next field, and then something made a bunch of noise. I think the farmer was out doing something because I could hear them banging on fence posts and things, and then all of a sudden they hopped right back into the into the public, into the thick stuff, and I never saw them. So that was all happening right around one one thirty already. They're already out in the fields. That's nuts. Yeah. Totally different. Oh, it changes like that. Well, there's no pressure over there either. So let's talk about venison. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, this year hasn't been a total loss. We got we got deer. Yeah, we each got two. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mine had horns. One of them did. Yep. So I lucked out from, from that perspective. Uh, on the taste side, I would argue that's probably not as good as, you know, a nice Oh, I think I, I know a few people that would agree with you there. The... The quality of meat out of a doe is probably going to be better tasting to most than mm-hmm. out of a buck. You know, bucks, everybody, oh, just make it into sausage. I mean, there's some salvageable pieces out of there. The back straps are still pretty decent. Mm-hmm. They're maybe not as tender, but there's there's other cool things you can do with that. Uh, the inner loins are always pretty decent. And there are certain roast cuts that are quite good, you know, out of the hindquarters, uh, the top round and the bottom round. You slice those into steaks if you want to. You know, I know whatever everyone says, it starts, care starts for, you know, venison in the field. It certainly does. So, I don't know, what are you, are you doing anything like super careful or cautious? Obviously the first, so, I mean, it's a good topic because. Yeah, the first one was. first one was. A, was tough because the, the angle of the shot, I mean, it, it did its job, but it ended up going right through the, the front, front, lower front of the stomach. Mm-hmm. And there was. You know, there was gut matter. There's bile in that in that body cavity. So 
I ate the inner loins. They weren't the best tasting. They were kind of, I don't know, they, they just were off tasting. They were not great. Back straps were great. Um, the hindquarter roasts were good. And the front shoulders, I think I had those ground into brats and stuff. I just didn't, I didn't mess around doing roast because I figured I'm probably going to get another deer anyway. And mm-hmm. that might be a better one to do all that with. Well, my second deer, I have not eaten anything out of, but I know for a fact that that one was better because one, when we harvested it, it was frosty. We could hear frost right. like growing on the grass when we were field dressing it, you know, and we got that thing cooled off and rinsed out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You know, and then immediately I took it to the processor, and it was nice and cool. You know, we were in the 20s and 30s then. Yeah. Well, it's funny you talk about, like, the, the bile or whatever. You know, when you think about when you're prepping this chair. Is that my chair? Oh, yeah, it's all Man, you. my God. Sorry. Uh, no, like, you think about if you're going to marinate meat. My dad was just talking about a marinade he did, soaked it in red wine and, you know, you know whatever else he's doing. And it sounded great. I'm like, man, so, yeah, if that meat's just sitting in bile... It's marinating. It's marinating. Freaking gross. It's not good. What do you expect? So, you know, shot placement is, you know, step one. Yeah. And shit happens. Plan B happens. Always. But from there, the the temperature matters. Like, is Mm -hmm. it hot? And that day, you had that going against you, too. Yep. Um, And then, you know, what's the drag like? You know, you're going to drag it through a swamp or something? Or is it pretty clean and dry? Like, are you, you know, how fast are you going to get the thing hung up? Or if it's colder, that, that matters. So I think the field prep is interesting because I've never paid much attention to that. It just, no. you know, the conditions are what they are. You get, you take what you got, Yeah. you know, and you, you salvage what you can kind of thing. Certainly. But I don't know that I've ever, well, the dough that I shot will be interesting because I blew one of the ribs to, to smithereens. Sure. So there's just a bunch of. Shrapnel. Yeah. Bone shrapnel fragment all yeah, over. Yeah, when I was gunning out, I was like, what is going on here? It's just. Bits and pieces of bone you could feel is really fine. You usually don't run into it in, into the prime cuts. Um, you may when you're, I mean, if if they took all of your, your trim meat from the ribs and, and everything else and they threw it all in one pile, you could potentially expect to see something or find something in, you know, any of your processed stuff, like your hot sticks, brats, or sausage. You could find some bone frag in there, but... For the most part, your prime cuts should be pretty clean. Okay. So, yeah, field care first, right? And then, yes. you know, from there, you're not butchering your own deer yet. Typically, I would. Okay. But with moving into a new place and not really that being on the priority list to set that situation up. And, you know, first deer of the year was the first day of season when it was a bit warm. Mm-hmm. It just made more sense to take it to the butcher so it didn't get, you know, a total loss. So, okay, you mentioned a different couple different types of cuts. So I'm going to play, well, this is only partially playing stupid. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of people that are just kind of getting into some of this stuff. There's experts that know the stuff that can tell you everything, but the different types of cuts matter. You talk about, like, butterfly cuts, steaks, chops, inner loin, back straps. Like, what, what's... What am I trying to ask you? I'm trying to ask, like, what's part of what? Is that what you're... Uh, that, but also, like, what things go best with what types of meals? Like, obviously, I know a roast can go really well with, like, a pot roast, right? Or whatever. Right, or right. I mean... But butterfly cuts versus so, a steak versus a chop versus... We'll start a... with, like, neck roast, right? Or mm-hmm. neck meat. Neck meat. Roasts can be made out of a lot of different things. 
there's a few things, a few cuts that I wouldn't waste on doing as a roast per se, like in a slow cooker or crock pot. When you say waste, it's because you can get a better quality meal out of it doing something yeah, else. Yeah, I mean, there's just better ways of using it. Sure. But if you have to, you can you can do it, you know. Roasts, roasts can be made out of anything. I mean, you could take the neck neck roast is kind of a loose hunk of meat. There's a lot of a lot of connective tissue in it. That is where it is best used in a, like a slow cooker meal, or guys will just throw it in the grind pile. It's going to go. So the fact that you even say there's a lot of connective tissue, like your understanding of the anatomy and mm-hmm. how it translates to a meal, is already better than like I don't have a I don't just don't think about that. Well, here's my background on it. Okay, the first three years of my life, my dad worked zero as to three. Yeah, zero to three. Okay. <laughs> like literally the first three years. Okay. My dad worked for a butcher. Okay. Okay. So he would, he would pro- I think he would go in and actually help during deer season and help them break down sure. deer. Okay. So he learned how to break down deer. And I remember this is my, probably one of my most fond memories as a young kid, aside from going to the river and going fishing with him was we're out in the barn. He had shot a doe and he was quartering it off. I watched him cape it out. You know, so pull the whole hide, and it was freezing. It was always cold in that barn. Mm-hmm. It was like a meat locker, no Dexterity matter. Dexterity gets all the crap. Oh, yeah. So he's, you know, he's fighting with this hide. He gets it peeled off the, the deer carcass, and he's got a, a bench out there, and I think he laid some, some garbage bags out, just some plastic, and cut the front shoulders off, and then, you know, cut the neck meat out, peeled out the back straps, and then you know, trimmed out any of the meat that he wanted to keep for making sausage, which was quite a bit. And then from there, it was time to take the hindquarters. So he cuts the hindquarter right off the hip. You know, he goes in and knocks that tendon right off the, the knuckle bone. And there's two two hindquarters just kind of hanging here on the, on the gimbal. And he pulls one off and goes, here. And I'm like three or four. I'm knee-high to a grasshopper, and he hands me this hindquarter. Well, when you're that big, I mean, the hindquarter was as <laughs> big as me. It. Yeah. Yeah. So he gra- he hands it to me, and I, I remember grabbing it and, like, holding on to it. It's, this, it's a sticky, cold piece of meat with a hoof hanging off of it. And I'm struggling to hold on to it. And, I, and he's like, all right, we're going to the house. So I remember taking, like, three steps, catching the gutter in the barn, and falling into the gutter with this hunk of meat not letting go of it, and it hit the dirt. I remember Dad just kind of laughing at me and goes, oh, it washes off, it'll be fine. (laughs) Here, I'll help you. So he picks me up, sticks it back in my arms, and away we go, walk into the house. So that's kind of my first memory of, you know, butchering deer Mm -hmm. was was that. And then as I got older, Dad was always shooting deer, and, and we were always helping him track them, and we were always helping him process them. I had never, ever until this year, ever taken a deer to a processor to have anything done. Really? This is your first time? First time. Really? Yeah. I just did assume you like would do it every once in a while or something like that. Nope, not at all. No, it was, it was always, we always did our own. We, you know, I'd debone it, um, bag it up, and, you know, like my dad would try to make sausage, or he would take, we would get so much scrap and then take it into, you know, country cutters or somewhere, and, and then they would make sausage out of it for us. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we wouldn't really spend a lot of money on on having it processed because we sure. didn't have a lot of money. Yep. So yeah, you save a lot. You do. You save quite a bit. I mean, those deer, 
they were over a hundred bucks a piece when it was all said and done. I'm over that, you know. Yeah, for my stuff. Well, I got a lot of the fancy, yeah, brats and sticks. But and you know whatever. what? I mean, I can't, I can't make brats that good. I yep. can't make hot sticks that good. So, I'll gladly take my and my butcher will take me will will let me take all my trim meat right mm-hmm. to him. That's cool. So. He's like, yeah, bring it all over. I'll whatever you bring over, I can. You tell me what you want. It costs this much a pound. He mm-hmm. has the whole menu. Yeah, it costs a little bit, but it's almost guaranteed to be done right. No questions asked. Yep. He's got the equipment. I have a grinder. I don't have a smoker for it. I mean, anything I, I any meat smoking I do, it's just on my old Weber. You know, right. I I do it old school. I don't I don't have a Traeger or a Pit Boss or anything cool like that <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yet. So uh, one of the, hey, Cody, thanks uh, in the comment section here on the Facebook live stream. Thanks for helping us with our audio. Um, he just made a comment. Have you ever tried getting an old freezer? Said he ended up using an old freezer, plugged yeah. it up the night before and kept the milk cartons in it frozen. Um, he did that last year. So I have, I have an old crappy, you've seen it. It's <laughs> yeah. like a, a, you know, like a, a, padlock you know, and there's there, that's that's one way of doing it and then my actually using a an old crappy freezer refrigerator for a different purpose that was my dad's first smoker was an old refrigerator freezer actually i think it was a freezer tore the oh tore, for smoking for sure. smoking he made it a big smoker it was yeah. old all 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 metal and he just start the fire in the bottom and keep it going but yeah it had you know 357 holes pounded through it Perforation, <laughs> but that'll stop them. Oh yeah, that'll that that works just fine for letting a little take cover, smoke out, get the fridge out. Um, so knowing your upbringing has kind of taught you a little bit about the specific the anatomy of the deer, and some people just understand this stuff. I remember when I learned right. how to um, butcher my first deer, the the guy that showed me, he he's like, you follow your thumb along this line, and this is the tender line. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you like he knew everything right just from experience. So. And once you dig into it, I mean, I got really good at it a few years ago when I all of a sudden started shooting deer. I mean, shooting three and four deer a year. Yeah, then you're like, okay, clockwork. Yeah, the clockwork is like, boom, I know what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Start here and I go to there. That's and a good way to do it, too. If you get more than one deer a season, you're not waiting a year to do this thing. Because by then, you, you're not going to master it. No. Repetition's key. It's just like anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get good at deer hunting by... By just sitting at home or reading all, you can read all the books and magazines. You got to put want. into practice. You got to put in the time. Yep. You got to get out there and do it. You know, just like anything else, mm-hmm. if you, you can't be good at your job if you don't go out and do it. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. So, I learned, I learned a lot of what not to do, and I learned a lot what I need to do next. You know, next time. Yep. Um. But getting back to the the, the specific cuts now. You're asking about roasts. I mean, neck roast, a lot of connective tissue. See, we went down a rabbit hole after that. It's okay. We got time, man. Yeah. It's just you and me, buddy. All, all the connective tissue. No phone tissue. line tonight either. Well, that's all right. The The connective tissue is what will give it kind of an off taste. Now, sometimes you're going to be really doing a lot of work to get rid of that connective tissue. Mm-hmm. If you slow cook it, get all the fat off of it, because you, you've seen what deer fat looks like, right? Yep. You pull that hide up. And that stuff is waxy. Yep. And it's that's got silver a, skin. Uh, no, that's not silver that's skin. You're talking about that, something different. That, yep. We're talking about the, the layer of fat on the back, mm-hmm. on the rump, 
usually around the ribs. Uh, you'll get some on the neck. Not not. But isn't as fat much. flavor? Not when you're talking <laughs> venison. Okay. <laughs> you want to turn somebody off to venison real fast? Feed them feed them venison with some of that stuff ground in it. Oh, it's awful. Um, I've eaten my share of bad venison. You know, Dad wasn't the best cook when it came to venison. I mean. His idea of making venison was pepper steak, which is great, but you can only eat that so much. Pot roast, okay, fine. That's that's it's a an hearty easy, meal. It's a hearty meal, but okay, what else can we do with this? I remember taking a hindquarter, I think it was a, a bottom round, out of the freezer, and him going, what are you doing with that? Well, I'm going to make it. Well, how are you going to make it? Well, I'm going to do it on the grill. Oh, you can't do that. That's going to be all dry as shoe leather. Well, I just kind of... He's like, you got to do something with it. You can't just throw it on there. It's it's too dry. It's too lean. So my idea was to just melt a little butter and put some butter on it and season it up. Well, I, I think I was 12 years old when I did this. And <laughs> I took that, that round roast and I actually sliced it into half-inch thick steaks. Looking back on it, I probably should have made it a little bit thicker. But just my first try at it. And uh, coated them, you know, just basted them down in butter and kept wiping butter on them as I flipped them. And I think they got a little overdone, but they weren't bad. He actually said, oh, those are pretty good. So it was, that was pretty pretty decent. Uh, it took a lot to make my my dad happy when sure. it came to that he kind of He wasn't throwing you a bone, huh? He was, no. he was genuine. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I've eaten my share of bad venison where, you know, maybe mom didn't take the time to cut some of the silver skin out of it or, Whatever, and the silver skin is that connecting tissue. That's kind of like a membrane that holds the muscle together mm-hmm. and allows it to move. Reminds me of like every book you ever see in like science class of like a skeletor looking muscular figure. Yeah, yeah. That reminds the, me of the bodies. The bodies, uh, um, purpley. Yeah, they had the bodies exhibit at, at yeah at yeah that's right at the Milwaukee Museum. Yeah, you saw the muscles and the connective tissues, yeah. and that's you know same thing. Shit's not good. Yeah, you don't you don't want too much of that in there. I mean, silver skin, one, it'll make it tough, and two, it, it just it doesn't taste real good. Mm-hmm. So, neck roast, front shoulders, you can get a flat iron. Or they call it a flat iron steak if you cut it out just right, and you you cut that piece. It's almost like filleting it and then rolling it open and taking a bunch of connective tissue out of it. And there isn't much on front shoulders to begin with. It's actually probably better to just do a bone-in roast. I've seen guys do that, and I mm-hmm. have I have two of those in my freezer. I'm going to try them. Okay, because you get it's some the of the marrow and yeah. So it's the front shoulder. Yep, basically down to the elbow, and so it's the blade. It's a blade roast, and the thing that you never want to hit. Right, well, arrow. Ah, we got we're doing fine on that. <laughs> um, but you'll be able to put that in and slow cook it. You know, in a slow cooker. There's probably some other pretty cool recipes to do. I mean, you could probably sear it in a pan and, and do it on the Traeger, but if you want that good flavor from the bone being in it, you slow cook it. That's mm-hmm. the way to do it. Um, save the grill for the you know the nice prime cuts that don't have bone in it. That's There's my people feeling. that don't cook venison on the grill. Right. I've started the, excuse me, the cast iron skillet has been a fun new experiment for me with a bunch that of things thing, you've helped me quite a bit with that actually like that thing's money man i mean you can do anything in a cast iron skillet and there's so much flavor on it even though you're mm-hmm. doing it on the boring oven top or stove top it's right. like whatever it is the cast iron skillet cast iron skillet i mean mine's pretty well seasoned with bacon grease so everything gets a little bit of smoky bacon mm-hmm. flavor just a little bit um 
but like I used mine to to actually I put a little bit of vegetable oil in the bottom of it the other day and did did steak you know breaded steak bits. Mm-hmm. So you can use any cut for that really when you're talking about a roast or or even backstrap. You know backstrap is what they cut the chops into, mm-hmm. but I I don't even like doing that because so, so chops. What are chops? So chops chops are just thinly sliced or butterflied pieces of backstrap that t- back tenderloin that goes along the spine. Okay. Thank you. See, or tomahawk like, chops. So what they'll do is they'll take an action. But I, th- I think of that as a tenderloin. So, but then you rename it chops. I'm like, fuck a chop. That yeah. doesn't sound good. Well, you look at pork chops, you know, right. pork tenderloin, butterfly pork chops. They got no bone in them. Mm-hmm. When they keep the bone in them, that's, it's a hunk of the rib and a piece of the spine. Because they'll actually, what they'll do is they'll run it down, meats, the run a meat saw right down the, the spine. And they'll split the ribs and you'll have a hunk of meat with that nice piece of bone in there with all the little tender vittles in it. Mm-hmm. And it'll uh, it cooks up nice and lots of flavor. Yep, bone gives it a little more flavor. So, what's a good meal for chops? I mean, just your standard chops. You could do standard chops. You could take it and and bread it. You do chicken fried. I call it chicken fried venison or breaded steak bits. Um, I mean, you don't have to tenderize the meat out, but if I'm going to do breaded steak bits, if I'm using backstrap, I'll still hammer it out with a with a meat tenderizer mm-hmm. um the other night i used buttermilk buttermilk works really good as you know dip it in buttermilk and then dip it in your your whatever you want to use for for breading um i've done a lot of different yeah, we things. were talking about that last yeah week. I mean, you're talking can, about fish fry breading and yeah like you can use shore lunch you can use mm-hmm. all different kinds of things i mean i did panko and i took and seasoned it up with some basil some uh oh seasoned salt black pepper, white pepper. I just tossed a bunch of stuff in there. I I, I don't think I ever do anything the same way twice. <laughs> I always do. No, you it's know. fun. You're experimenting. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you got a bunch of different things. Why not? Um, you can do the same old, same old, but. Cody commented again here. He said, is it true that the gamey taste comes from the hair being left on the meat? Not so much the hair. It's, it's, so the, it's the connective tissue. It's a lot of silver skin and any any fat membranes that might be in there. You no, know, my dad's wanted to mention that, um, you know, I know he, I know he listens, so, I'm, you know, go easy on him if he's wrong. I don't think he is. And he talked about marinating in wine, but he also says a lot about just marinating, like soaking it in milk can help kind of do away with a lot of the gamey taste. It Have can. you tried that? It can. I've done that. I've done uh, soak chops in there once just for the heck of it before I knew any better. Mm-hmm. And now I don't, I don't really soak any of that in there. I mean... It'll help draw blood out if it's a real bloody piece or if it's beat up real bad from, you know, trauma from being shot. But honestly, if it's that bad, soaked in blood, you might want to just either get rid of it or throw it through the grind pile. Okay. Completely up to you what you want to do with it. No yeah. right or wrong way. I'm not saying everything I'm talking about here tonight is No, it's is fun to right talk about way, it, but you know, it's, I'd forgot it's the way to I've done it. spin up the live number. So, <laughs> like I said, it's been a heck of a day. So we're just not firing all cylinders tonight. And by we, I mean me. That's all right. It is what it is. At least we got the audio and the camera working. Um, whatever I did, it's been fine. So must have been a loose connection. But this is good to know. Like, I, you know, obviously now that I have this Pit Boss grill, I'm trying to find new ways to explore. I, you know, I made ribs yeah. the other day for the first time ever on there and mm-hmm. smoked them for two hours, then put them in an applesauce bath for two hours after that in an you know, aluminum foil tote and then um, put them on for 15 minutes of barbecue. It's incredible. You can do that with deer ribs too. I've never done it. I saved a, a rack of ribs out of one dough last year and never 
never got to use it. I still have it all vacuum sealed. I might break it out and try it. Well, if you, you know, honestly, you know, I know we're talking on a freaking podcast here, but if you ever want to like throw something on the right, the pit, I mean, you're, you're pretty good at swinging. So, like, that's the other thing, too. You don't need to have a no, trigger or a pit boss or whatever. No, I mean, you, you can smoke on your Weber. Yeah, and I do. You know? I, I do all the time. So, how do you do that, by the way? Because you probably got to so, babysit it a bunch, right? Yeah, it's babysitting and, you know, have a few beers with you while you're at it because what else are you going to do? But, you can't be looking at the meat all the time either, right? You gotta no. You gotta keep it. You gotta trust what you're doing. You gotta keep your like my 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 Weber. I I modified. Oh, I, you did, huh? You tinker. Yeah, I tinker a little bit, but it's not that big of a mod. But it's nice to have a temperature probe in there to know yep. what what you're what you you're got a digital at. thermometer. No, nope, like no. Nope, so I just went and bought it or? went to Ace Hardware, bought the big green egg replacement thermometer, drilled drilled the appropriate size hole in the lid. You can get the temperature in, there. in the grill itself. In the grill itself. Got it. Yep. So you don't in have a meat probe area. in telling you what, what you're at. I have That's a meat probe that about. I can put in there, you know, and put the cover on and let it let it do its thing, and I can go out and plug it in and look at it if I wanted to, but I typically don't. Okay. Um, but what I'll do is uh, I'll take, we'll say, a, a, round, a, a bottom round of a hindquarter. I'll take that piece of, of meat. I will... Put some olive oil on it because it doesn't have a whole lot of fat, and I will season it all up and just let it sit to get to room temperature. You know, you're probably looking at three, four hours. Talk about avocado, avocado oil too. I know, and this is a rabbit hole a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, that's avocado, a rabbit hole. But olive, that, vegetable. The yeah, difference so, here is like the the smoking point. Very much is notable. Oh yes, the, <laughs> we talked about how I just totally ruined a meal the other day. Yeah, so we'll back up and talk about that. Okay, so. Olive oil, great for marinating, not so great for cooking. I mean, you can put it on your, your cut of meat mm-hmm. and sear it. That's fine. That's that's not going to hurt it because you're not, you're not cooking it in a big bath of now burnt oil and giving it an off flavor and who knows what other problems you're causing for yourself. So is but it why I still let that stuff heat up with the pan then too sometimes? Or I guess not, so, at some point it's getting to the burning temperature. So Right. So when you're talking about, say you want to fry, do do breaded steak bits. Vegetable oil or canola oil are probably going to be your better frying type oils, right? That's what you would use for doing fish fry on the on the stove top mm-hmm. or in a fryer, right? Yeah, in a fryer or even in a pan or a Dutch oven, you're going to put that on there. Those two oils work best for frying or peanut oil, but peanut mm-hmm. oil is pretty expensive, and it's even higher in cholesterol, but it tastes really good. But that's what you would use for frying fish or frying chicken. It's the same concept if you're going to, you know, you're going to do fried pork chops or if you're going to do fried anything that you're going to put a batter on. Those are those are the better oils to use. Got it. Now, if you're just going to need some hot oil in in a pan to, to to cook a piece of steak, you know, a venison steak, whether it's a chop, butterfly chop off of a backstrap. Or if it's something you cut out of one of the, the round roasts off the hindquarter or a flat iron steak, whatever, whatever you want to do, it's going to be steak. Put just a little bit of oil in that pan, get it hot, just so you can start to see it kind of moving Sizzling around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but not, not smoking. Okay. Then you can, you can throw your, you know, your battered stuff in there, your breaded steak bits. That's what you're going to put in there and, and use that to cook that. And typically when I'm cooking breaded steak bits, then I'm cooking until I start to see the blood come through the breading on one side, and I'm flipping it. 
Mm -hmm. And the first first few pieces always go quick. Like you you can't be moving it quick enough. Reminds me of cooking pancakes. You gotta wait to see those bubbles coming through, and then yep, take a quick look and flip it. Yep. Yep. I mean, once you get your temperature dialed in, and with an electric stove, I don't know why, but it's always a bigger pain in the ass than it is. A gas stove. I got a ghetto mm. electric stove. It sucks. <laughs> I hate it, but it works. Um, it'll be an upgrade here in the years to come. But consistent, you know, consistent temperature. Mine's a glass top, and it it's it's on off, on off, on off. It doesn't just stay. Yeah, that steady flame. No, it doesn't stay. Interesting. Yep. So electrics can be a little bit more finicky from finicky that perspective yeah we have a gas tougher. stove and thought much about that and with cast iron too once it gets hot it's hot and it stays hot so you know it's always tempting to throw it up on high with an electric and all of a sudden you've kind of got to that point where you try to bring it back down it's not coming back it's down. not coming back down anytime soon mm-hmm. so it's almost better to start slow low and just kind of let it heat up maybe that's put good it advice. medium but yeah to to cook anything with like a batter on it you want those kinds of oils. Now, if you're just doing a steak, you could use any of those oils, but I think your uh, avocado oil just gives it a nice flavor. And you can you can uh, cook at a higher heat with it than you would olive oil. Okay. Lower flash point or higher flash point. Um, what else? Get back to talking uh, talking on about cooking on the Weber. I'll usually take whatever cut of meat it is. I'll make a marinade out of, you know, I'll season it up, let it get to room temperature, put the olive oil on it, let it soak in just so it has a little bit of fat. I'll get my fire going, let the coals die down to, they're not so cherry red and they're starting to get a little gray to them. Put my meat on directly just to kind of sear and put a rind on the outside. And what that's going to do you put a, a rind on the outside, you know, just like a watermelon rind. It holds all the good stuff inside. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're doing with this hunk of meat is you're, you're just browning it on the outside. And you can do that in a cast iron skillet, too, and then take it out to the grill if you want. Uh, I've done that a lot. Okay. What's or, the, the value of doing it that way? You put a, a nice, even rind on it with the cast iron, and you don't lose any of the juices from the inside. So on a grill, otherwise it's all just flopping out to the coals. Well, and, and two, with a grill, with a grill, I mean, you, you can do it on the grill. I've done it. That's what I usually do is rather, I, I don't want to do more dishes than I have to. So I'll take it out, get the fire good and hot, and put the put the heat, put the, the meat right over the, the direct coals. Mm-hmm. And two, when you do that, you got a cold piece of meat hitting a hot flame. It's also going to cause the heat to come down okay. pretty, pretty pretty quickly. Um but I'll move quickly, get get a, a a sear on one side, and then kind of roll it over, get a sear on the other side. And then what I'll do is I'll pull it off to the side. I keep all my coals on one side of the grill and just let it do its thing after that. After I get a, a, a sear on all sides, yep. pull it off to the side and just kind of watch my thermometer climb up, and I keep it right around that 350, 400 range. And just let it. And you're getting a good medium rare. Yeah, I'll cook it till it's medium rare. That's when I pull out a, mm-hmm. know, a temp probe and, and check the. And this point, you've been doing time. it long enough that you are following the same kind of routine here. At some right. point, you, your routine is actually what's being your timer. Right. You know. And I'm using all hardwood. Okay, halfway through this can of beer, so that means we're about almost there. You know, or whatever. Right. right. <laughs> um, 
but it's always hardwood charcoal, so it gives kind of a, a smoky flavor to it. Okay. But I've had two where I've taken and soaked uh, hickory nut or hickory wood chunks in a little bit of water and just put those, you know, absorbed hickory chunks right on the coals if they're hot enough and get a good smoke going. Sure. And that'll that'll flavor it up real nice. Just two two little chunks. You don't need much. Um, when I do salmon. A little off topic, but no, when, I do, when I do salmon, good I to have a comparison. Similar, it doesn't take as long, and it's definitely less heat. I just take applewood chunks because applewood works really well with salmon. Okay, and it, it, I let that that coal die down quite a bit more, and then get the get get the smoke rolling in there and get the fillets on, and again, that'll bring it down to about two hundred, and it'll start to pick up a little bit. So you got to kind of watch it, but a little bit lower is always better. And it's what's just your, gonna take a little longer. What's what's your favorite meal? My favorite meal? Well, maybe not the. I mean, it's yeah, probably I mean, hard to decide. I mean, it's almost cheating to wrap venison and bacon. But my, I saw what, someone post about that the other day. Yeah, yeah, but it's nice because then you're not like if you want to fill, like I've done a, a backstrap or even a roast, I've taken and, and cut a pocket into the backstrap. I'd made a, a mixture of cream cheese, um, bella mushrooms, put a little bit of uh, chopped up garlic in there, and green onion. So I'll take the green onions and chop them up real nice, and okay. I'll, I'll whip it together. I'll let that, that, uh, that cream cheese get to room temperature, so you could just take a spoon and whip it up, or a spatula and whip it up in a bowl, and then add all those ingredients to it. Those, mm. And it just it's a nice mixture of flavors. Then... Either in the backstrap or the roast, you can do it either cut. You fill that pocket full, and then you use the bacon to kind of hold it together. And if you want to, you know, add a little something extra, throw some jalapeno pieces in there, give it a little bite. I mean, I've even done that too. Is done uh, jalapenos instead of all the other stuff. Sure, just jalapenos and cream cheese in there. I've oh, done, that sounds good. Already. I've done uh, blue cheese. Yep. Just fill it full of blue cheese. Not everybody likes blue cheese. I got a few family members that don't. Either do or don't, I think. Yeah. I yeah. don't. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's not everybody's thing. I like feta, it. Though. Well, yeah, that's, that's you can a, do feta. That's a relationship. Feta's, feta's kind of bland, in my opinion. Ugh. So Your opinion's wrong. You got to add something to it. A little jalapeno. A little something extra. Sure. Uh, we've been, yeah, we've been I, doing, I think, like, Holly, Holly, my wife, she's been doing great, man. We've been, I mean, fajitas... Um, that's another stuffed one peppers spaghetti chili roast um ste- steak like we've been gosh we've been doing so much venison like we're on the venison train man she's converted fully now and and she's finding a lot of you know ways to put it in with other traditional meals so then she doesn't feel like she's eating venison sure i mean much. you can do it in spaghetti you can mix half with you know pork sausage or yep or with hamburger for that matter yeah whether you have enough fat you can, yeah get it to feel like it's not as much but it's been nice to just hey make sure you know go down to the freezer get something out for the t- yeah. for tonight and, i mean i don't know um, if i have a favorite in general it, I, don't I really either, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love venison fajitas. It's that's another one that for me is tough to beat. Yeah. I could eat it's a good, it's a good once a week leftover one where if you make steaks, yeah. any leftovers, chop them up, and then the next day yeah, throw or, them with that that fajita mix that you can buy from the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, or you can make a hell of a nice omelet with it. You know, mm-hmm. just chopped yeah. up. Okay, here's some beers. Hey, man, what are they? What are they like? Case of quesadilla. <laughs> quesadilla. Yeah, no, it's great with you know with an omelet. 
uh, venison steak omelet with, yep. with mushrooms and uh, and pepper, you know, and a little bit of onion. Do you have the Ranella cookbook? I have one for sure that I know of. Do you like it? Are you have you cooked anything out of it? Um, or like tried to make I've, any of the meals? I've not like made any of the meals out of it because some of it gets a little further off, you know, doing the tongue and doing some of the other other stuff. I've not done the asabuco or any of that. Okay, it's all appealing. I just haven't. It's one of those things where I haven't even thought about. I want to try making some like more exquisite or like right. off the wall rest something that's different. Yeah, I with mean what I have. I think the Pipos has helped me a little bit with that to sure. some degree. Like their sure. website's really great for. I get a lot of the recipes I just get from their site. Like it's their food and grill. They can tell me how to cook stuff on it. Right, and the recipes are great. There's a pretty strong community for that too. But that's. That's not a cast iron skill. That's not a slow cooker. And in fact, in one of the meals I did, I used the sous uh feature on my um, Instapot. Okay. And that was actually pretty good. So I did sous I let the water cook the steaks. Um, you can't overcook them. It just yeah, it's just stops at that temperature. Yeah, it's and then I slow and up slow on the, and just on the cast iron. But that's one that I said that I messed up because I burned the shit out of the butter and yeah. Whatever. It's it's real easy to do that, and butter burns fast. And I was like, well, this way I don't have to actually cook it. All I got to do is sear it. Yeah. We're good to go. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, there's other cool ways of doing it, too. I mean, I, our old pal, Huntivore. Nick. That's right. Yeah, we should get him on. This yeah, would be a good episode I'm, for him. Yeah, which he should have been he, on. He, well, but good for him. He'd be like, yes, you guys are missing everything here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he could f- totally uh, throw down on a lot of cool things. I mean, he does a ton of stuff. Yeah. But there's there's plenty of other people out there, you know. Ranella's got a good book. Hank Shaw, he's another guy. Buck, I think it's it's called Buck Buck Moose. That's the okay. I've heard you talk about this. That that cookbook. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, there's plenty of people out there. Yeah. And there's I've I've even found some old venison cookbooks at at yard sales. I think my wife bought one. I had never even seen it or heard of it. So yeah. it's it's sitting in our cupboard. I've not even cracked the cover on it yet to take a look. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun episode, different. We haven't done one. It'd be surprising. It's my first one talking about venison this way. Well, it uh, it's something we're always talking about how to get it, but once we get it, we don't talk much about cooking it. This is the season to be cooking it. You know, if you got it, you got it now. You know, if you, right. you at least if you filled the tag, you have, you know, I don't, people are mad about saying harvested an animal. We didn't go to the farm, but whatever. People are trying to be respectful. But it's been fun, man. It's been fun to have that freezer downstairs, all that damn meat in it. And mm-hmm. then even like the Packer game, you know, uh, busting out the snack sticks, man, the jalapeno cheddar snack sticks. Got those back from Outdoor Addiction. They're freaking great. I bet they are. They're a hit. They're so good. They're so snackable. They are addicting. <laughs> so no one's got to complain about that. It's a, that's funny because that's the type of food any non-deer hunter, when they say, oh, can I get some venison? That's what they're thinking. Yeah. Can I get the jerky and the snack sticks? Yep. And the, you know, that's the labor intensive. And if, if you don't have the equipment to be labor intensive, somebody else is very labor intensive with it, mm-hmm. grinding it up, seasoning it up, you know, stuffing it and then yep. hanging it and smoking it to the right temperature. Obviously, outdoor addiction, he's got all the equipment that just makes it that yeah. much quicker. Yeah, he's doing a lot of big things over there. He's doing Stay huge stuff. Stay tuned because he is, believe me, he's got more to come. But, um, yeah, stuff turned out great. I have no complaints. And honestly, if I'm talking about him for two seconds, just the process of like they log every single call. You know, if I'm calling to check up on stuff, if I don't pick up my meat, he's sending me a picture with his dog saying, if you don't come get this, my dog's getting hungry. 
um, their their systems approach to things. Like there's other processors because I'm not like you. I've taken them to processors my whole life except for like one season. Um, where it's like, well, if you didn't bring your own box, then you're gonna have to carry it out piece by piece. Sure, you know because they don't have the cardboard. But he's got a branded box with his logo on mm-hmm. it, your name on a sticker with your order number. Like and your cuts, it's your it's your deer. You get your deer back. It's not questionable that I'm getting someone else's deer back. So he prides himself on this process, his systems to getting your deer back. And so it's like a pretty delightful experience, honestly, all in all. Um when I went there to drop it off for a gun season, it was a line out the freaking street <laughs> back to the highway, but to be expected for that time of year and COVID, right. he handled it well. Like he was doing contactless drop offs. That's pretty slick. You know, and he, he adjusted pretty quickly for no, my November buck. That was a totally different experience because bow season. Yeah, you know, you don't so have as to, many people. Yeah, and there was a couple other guys dropping off their big bucks. I was like, "Ooh, I thought mine was big, but it's not." <laughs> <laughs> like, man, where did you pull that thing out of? Jeez, nope. looks like it's best friends with Sasquatch. And yeah. Things are mythical beasts, as far as I'm concerned. But they're out there. Yeah, nah, nah. okay, Sunner. I'm pretty proud of the one I got. I'm excited to get it back when I do. Yeah. Um, anyway, hey, thanks, folks, for tuning in tonight. This is what we got. Venison. What's for dinner? And for breakfast. That's right. And lunch. Why not? And the Super Bowl. (laughs) Hey, have a great day. Have a great week. I'm public. Thanks for tuning in. What's up, everybody? Anthony Heller here with DeerVane, and this week's tip of the week is related to finding deer on high-pressured land. And high-pressured land can be public or private, so this tactic works on either, um, and I've seen it work on, work on either. Um, private lands that have, you know, 100 acres and, and it's family-owned and, you know, you got cousins that hunt it, you got uncles that hunt it, you got friends of uncles and friends of cousins and other people that hunt it, and, and you never... 100% certain as to what's going on out there. Um, that's one area. And then the other the other piece is, is public land. You know, you never know who else is out there. There could be 20 guys. There could be five. There could be 50. Who, who knows? So if you're, if you're in one of those scenarios where you think there's a lot of pressure, it's really hard to find deer at uh, during the daytime. You seem to see them at night on your trail cameras and you're just never coming across them. In this time right now, kind of January, February, March, April, is your time to do a lot of scouting. And what that scouting is going to allow you to do is is when hunting season rolls around again, you need to keep an eye on human pressure and human sign and human activity really just as much as you need to with deer activity. Because as you look at a map, if you take your piece of, of land that you're hunting and you map out where all that human activity is, you'll start to notice isolated pockets of maybe some thicker areas or some more dense areas or areas that are just too far from the cabin or too far from the parking lot that people don't really hit. And those are your areas that you need to key in on. And especially like one of my buddies hunts a lot of private land and they have their permanent tree stands. They have tree stands in the same spots year round and people go and hunt those. And he will actually find success on private land doing hanging hunts away from those tree stands because everybody goes to those set stands. They don't want to put in the work of a mobile setup. He goes into these little 10, 15, 30 acre plot po- pockets on his property and he's able to find deer in those that 
other people are not seeing on the property because he's being mobile and getting away from that pressure and the deer just understand that's where the pressure is so i hope that helps guys and if you have any questions you can find me at uh on instagram on deer vein or facebook or anything like that and you can always write into eric and uh greg and they will be able to help you out as well all right catch you guys later all right everybody thanks for tuning in this week no major updates hopefully this episode made you hungry uh (laughs) You know, I, I, if you have any recipes you want to share with us, I know we did recipe of the week in the past when we had musket powder on as a sponsor for a little bit, and that was a ton of fun. We, we captured quite a few different recipes there, but that was like all wild game, not specifically venison. So I thought, you know, venison would be a good topic, seeing as uh, if you filled your tag this season, now's the time. I mean, I've been eating a ton of it. Um, I mean, almost every night we've been having a venison meal, and it's been really uh, good to do all that. I just, it's been fun, and now that my wife's kind of like on board with it, it's even better. So she's getting more creative with cooking some of that stuff up and uh, out cooking me for sure. I mean, you know, I'm pretty basic. I'll do like steaks and roasts and stroganoff and spaghetti. And I don't know, that wasn't in chili. Like there wasn't much else. <clears throat> so if you have any cool recipes you want to share, send us a DM uh, or a message or, or whatever. Uh, we'll find a way to share it. Hit us up on our social channels or you can email me at eric at wherethuntapp.com. Uh No real big announcements this week or anything like that. I usually try to jump on here after Anthony's tip of the week. Um, and, and shout out what we got going on. Uh, nothing, nothing major. It's pretty lull time here. You know, I think we'll be getting ready for, and turkey season's going to be around the corner. Spring scouting's going to be around the corner. But at the moment, you know, right now, enjoy venison. We still are hunting here in Wisconsin. It still is late season. There's still our guys, as Greg had mentioned, getting out there as crazy as him, uh, hunting. There's a lot of serious whitetail hunters that are, that are still getting it done. So, um, I have enough meat for my family. I don't need to be excessive about it. I could probably go try and kill a doe. Just not totally needed. Um, I'm not butchering myself. And so my budget's kind of been consumed, taking everything to the butcher this year and the taxidermist for the first time ever. Um, and I got my buck take, so I'm like pretty happy. I'm not, I don't need to be out there necessarily. So I will be doing some pheasant hunting for the first time ever on the 30th. So that'll be fun. We'll see how that goes. Never done it before ever in my life. So from a wild game perspective, uh, if you got any pheasant recipes for me, let me know. That's assuming I actually can shoot one. And, and see one, shoot one, get it, etc. Um, I'm not sure I have a good shot. I'm going to be with that. So if you have any ideas for topics, things you want to hear, learn about, guests you want us to talk to, let us know. I have no shame reaching out to basically anybody. We've had a lot of you know people on the show, um, folks that you know have never been on a podcast ever, all the way to the you know the great Mark Kenyon um, and Doug Duran and, and those guys. So you know the wide range of topics we could talk about. Uh, we can pick them ourselves, and we're glad to do that. But if you have any input, we'd love to hear from you. This is your show. Uh, you know, if we don't have a guest, we encourage people to call in and chit chat with us, share stories and whatever you want. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to give us a rating and review. We appreciate it. Have a great day. And hunt public. <laughs>